Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day the whole city threw a parade for Jesus as he rode into the city on a donkey. They threw palm branches. And so that's why we call it Palm Sunday, at least in our English version. It was the day where Jesus was both worshipped and praised. It's a bittersweet day. Come on. Are you on? Uh -huh. Sorry. <laughs> Always adjustments. A bittersweet day because while he was praised and celebrated and worshipped, we know that in a few short days, the words changed from praise to words of death, from shouting Hosanna to shouting crucify him. The same people is arguably the greatest irony in the course of human history. But when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the people celebrated and it was appropriate for them to do so. They took palm branches and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who came, who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. I'm going to read that passage this morning from the Gospel of John. And I, I know we're, this should surprise you a little bit because I didn't say the book of Acts. Ever since we've been at church, we have been preaching from the book of Acts. But the story here is so important. We believe that uh, this week and next week, no surprise, we will deviate a bit. We will postpone our journey in Acts to cover two very important events in the life of Jesus. And uh, so this morning, it is John chapter 12 that we'll look at John's version of the triumphal entry. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 18. It says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had to be done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called a Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. And that's verse 18. The triumphal entry. This is John's version. It is recorded actually in all four gospels. There are only a few things that all four gospels tell the story. Palm Sunday is one of them. At this point in the ministry of Jesus, he is immensely popular. This is the, the superstar of the time. As he marches into Jerusalem, people, they know something about Jesus. And so they want to see a healing. They want to be healed. Or, or maybe they want more loaves and fish. Or maybe they want some more dynamic teaching, some more hope, some some more different perspectives. And so they have expectations. 
Some expected that Jesus would be the great military leader to finally overthrow Roman authority. Others expected that he would be a religious leader, that he would come through, through the synagogues and the churches and he would straighten up the system and he would, he would come to power in that way. Yet others expected him to just come with power. One more miracle, one more dramatic sign. What will Jesus do next? And so there were all these expectations as he rode. It was a, Jesus rode into town on a wave of expectations. But the cheering didn't last too long because soon the people realized that Jesus was more than a conquering king, more than they imagined God would ever be. It was the first day of his earthly life. I mean, the first day of the last week of his earthly life. The events that would follow would be the Last Supper in the upper room, the arrest and prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the uh, crucifixion, the cross, the death, and then three days later, ultimately, the resurrection. So this is the last earthly week of his ministry. It, but yet, at the end of it all, the people would get a clear picture of who Jesus was, even if they didn't like what they saw. The cheering crowd expected a conquering king who would restore the nation of Israel. What they got was a humble servant of God and the Savior of the world. On this day, to be fair, the people were confused about Jesus, probably an understatement there. They had so many expectations. They had thought and hoped for so many things, and they wanted a relationship with Jesus. But they misunderstood the kind of relationship Jesus wanted to have with them. If we're honest, we'll admit that even today, some 2,000 plus years later, we still struggle and can get confused about the kind of relationship Jesus wants. And we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus, being born again, having a personal relationship with Jesus. But what kind of relationship is that? Because what tends to happen is that we expect our relationship with God to be based on our experience from the human perspective. We, we begin to think about what we can get out of it. We begin to to think, will this relationship help me in my goals for life? Will this relationship help me achieve more prosperity, better health, greater wisdom, just to name a few? And so we tend to have some expectations when it comes to following Jesus. In fact, these, these expectations can be described in different terms of different sailing vessels. So imagine we're going to go on a, a water voyage this morning. There, there's one idea that some people think that their relationship with Christ is a little bit like a cruise ship. I call it cruise ship Christianity. It's where Jesus has paid the ticket. His death on the cross gives us the ticket to board the cruise ship. And boy, do we. We step up on that boat and the weather's perfect every day. The sun shines and then there's the buffet, the all-you-can-eat buffet. Oh, it's glorious. And and the entertainment, oh, spectacular on cruise ship Christianity, especially on Sunday morning, there's entertainment. 
It's called cruise ship Christianity. Other people tend to think of their relationship with, with Jesus more, more like a battleship where you've got to be ready to fight every day. There's no fun on this ship because there's a war and there's an enemy and you're at watch and you're shooting, you're fighting. You've got to be careful. You can't take steps of faith. You can't take a, a deep a, a breath of, of, of fresh air because there's a battle and you're in it and you have to be watchful and mindful. You are unable to walk in faith because it's just too risky. Battleship Christianity. And finally, I think some people tend to think of their relationship with Jesus more like a rowboat. It's rowboat Christianity. Because on this boat, everybody has to work hard. Because you're only going to go in motion in a rowboat with one thing. Hard work. You've got to move those oars. You've got you to work hard. And, and the only way to get to where you're going is to, to push and pull harder. And what that means is more Bible study, longer prayers, more church services, more serving in ministries. Just work harder at your faith. That's the only way to live for Jesus. Work harder. The problem is, and the truth is, that none of these images reflect the purpose of Jesus. The Christian life is not a cruise ship. It's not a life of luxury because Jesus came as a servant. The Christian life is not a battleship where we, we constantly fight because, honestly, the battle has already been won. Let's not forget that. And certainly, the Christian life is not about working your way into heaven on a rowboat because you can never earn salvation. A personal relationship with Jesus is often misunderstood, yet the good news this morning is that Jesus wants to show us who he really is. He wants us to have a right relationship with him. And so that's why he comes into Jerusalem, yes, on a donkey. Verse 14 says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written. The donkey is God's own choice for riding into Jerusalem. Jesus both fulfilled the words of Zechariah's prophecy and illustrated the nature of his ministry. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, but he is also the servant of servants. While he rode into Jerusalem with royal procession, he did so on the back of a simple donkey. I mean, let's look at this. Because the donkey is not exactly the choice for power or admiration or wisdom. Donkey, in fact, the donkey is, is pretty much a disgraceful animal. I mean, have you seen these things? I mean, when you sit on a donkey, there's stubby little-legged animals. And when you sit on one, how much taller are you than everybody else who's standing? None. Jesus is sitting on a donkey pretty much at eye level with everybody who's there. Jesus was not riding on military might, wealthy resources, or political power because the donkey was representing a different kind of kingdom. Now, people don't usually choose donkeys as a symbol of power. I mean, little girls don't dream of riding donkeys <laughs> through the summer fields with the, the wind blowing. The Kentucky Derby doesn't blow a horn so that a a herd of dinky donkeys can race around the track. Everybody from Shakespeare to Pinocchio knows that the donkey is an image of a, of a fool. And yet the donkey 
Of course, the other name for a donkey, well, you know what that name is. <laughs> when Jesus chose to begin his journey to the cross by riding a donkey, he was saying something important to everyone and something important to us. He was saying that the people would not be a political nation armed with authority and political power or military might. Instead, the people, his people would be a church armed with love and humility, ready to peacefully share the news of Jesus. Jesus was saying that his kingdom is different and he is a different kind of king. Now this is important because most people expect a king to ride on a powerful horse, but Jesus comes riding like a servant on a donkey. Most people would say, that's no way to be a king. In fact, there's a popular game that we like to play that demonstrates the way people think of kingship. My, my son Andrew loves to play this game. It's called the game of chess. You're familiar with the game of chess? Do you know what the goal of the game of chess is? What's the goal? Somebody tell me. What is it? Get the king. Therefore, the most popular strategy is to protect the king, if it's your king, right? You protect the king. If you play the game of chess, you'll put a, put a pawn around it, a, a bishop around it, a queen around it, a, you know, castle, I don't know what you call all the pieces because I'm not much of a chess player. <laughs> That's the way most people play the game of chess. But Jesus plays it differently. Because instead of being a king that's protected, Jesus says, I'm going to show you true kingship. Jesus does exactly the opposite. Instead of being protected, he offers his life. Instead of being the last one alive, Jesus would die for all the wrong that it was ever done in the world. Jesus changes, in effect, the definition of a king. And he brings a message along with it called the gospel. And do you know what the gospel is? The gospel, in summary, is this. The gospel is when the king puts himself in the place of a servant. And sin is exactly the opposite. It's putting yourself in place of the king. That's why Jesus is riding the donkey. Jesus is reversing the situation. He does this because what we really need in life is not a political leader. We don't need more military might. What we really need is the gospel. Do you know why we're so stressed? Why we get exhausted? Why there's war in this world? It's because, it's not because we don't, it's because we, we think we, we have the wisdom and the strength and the ingenuity and the might to figure it out. The reason is because we're putting ourselves in place of the king. Every problem, all our pain, all our fighting is caused by this single fact. Sin is when we put ourselves only where God should be. And salvation is God coming and putting himself where we should be. And so Jesus receives the penalty for our sins. When Jesus comes on the donkey instead of the horse, he defines a new kingdom. It's a kingdom where the king saves his people and his people receive the kingdom. I think there's another reason 
why the donkey is so important in this, in this day, on this day. It's because Jesus is actually more visible on the donkey. There's nothing about that animal, about the donkey, that took away from Jesus. I mean, people didn't say, oh, look at that great horse. Wow. I wonder if that's a purebred thoroughbred. Or I wonder, oh, what kind of quarter horse? What is the history on that quarter horse? They didn't talk about that. They could only say, wow, look at Jesus. Jesus was most visible. The donkey is supposed to fade in the background. And this is, this is important because it turns out we're more like the donkey than the horse. And this is a good thing, because as long as we lift up Jesus, our lives reflect Jesus as the king. Jesus told us that when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. And when we humble ourselves, Jesus becomes more and more visible. This is the vision of Jesus, and it should be the passion of those of us who follow Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. Will you be the donkey? Will you be the one who carries Jesus wherever he goes, however he goes? Will you be humble enough to carry someone else? Will you carry the cross? Will you carry the burdens of others? Because as you do, you can never forget whose presence you carry. There's a little story about the donkey who carried Jesus. I don't usually like to tell animal stories, so I'm confessing here. Uh, it's an animal story about the donkey, but I figure if I'm gonna tell an animal story, then it's probably okay to tell a story about a donkey because the donkey is an animal in the Bible who actually gets to tell his own story. Remember the story of Balaam, the donkey speaks. So if the Bible can tell a story about a donkey, I figure I can tell a story about a donkey too. So it's not true, but the story is about the little donkey who carried Jesus into Jerusalem. You see, Jesus found this little donkey standing next to his mother, and, and he said, you will carry me into Jerusalem today. And the little donkey was so excited about that. His little heart began to beat faster. He was so excited. Wow, he thought, Jerusalem is the city where everything important happens. And so they began to, to make their journey into Jerusalem, and the little donkey saw that there were crowds of people who were gathered. They were shouting and cheering. Some of the people were waving palm branches. Others were putting their coats in front of, of him to walk on. Some of the people were bowing down before them. They were singing and praising and shouting. Oh, it was so exciting. People were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The little donkey didn't understand what that meant, but he felt the excitement. He began to think, wow, I must be the most important donkey in the whole world. He held his high, his head high. He strutted down the streets of Jerusalem because everybody was shouting at him. He thought, wow, it was the proudest moment of his life to be such a donkey that everyone would, would cheer and, and cry out, well, that night, he, after all that excitement, he tried to sleep, but he was so excited. He, his thoughts kept thinking, wow, the people really love me. The next day, they must be waiting for me. I can't wait for tomorrow to come. And so he woke up early the next day. 
And he, he ventured into the, the, the city again, and, and there in the marketplace there were lots of people, and he, he went out right into the middle of the people, into the middle of the marketplace, into the street, but nobody seemed to notice him. He was completely confused. He wondered, well, wonder what the problem is. And so he, he began to shout, hey, it's me, I'm the little donkey. But it seemed as if the, the people could only hear him say, hee-haw, hee-haw. And they just kept right on working. No one waved palm branches. No one put coats on the ground. He said, I don't understand. And so he ran back to his mother with tears. He said, Mother, I don't understand. Yesterday they treated me like a king, and today they didn't even notice. The donkey's mother replied, Don't you remember? Yesterday you carried Jesus, but today you did not. And so that's the point of the story. Without Jesus, there is no hope. There's no joy. There's no peace. There is no celebration without Jesus. Only Jesus can make your life meaningful. Only Jesus will give you purpose in life. But you have to let Jesus be the Lord. You have to let him be honored. You have to let him be lifted up. So let me ask the question again. Will you be the donkey? Will you be the one who carries Jesus wherever he goes, however he goes? Will you be the servant to the king? Will you be humble enough to carry someone else? Will you carry the cross? Will you lift the burdens of others? Because as you do, you carry the presence of Jesus. When we allow Jesus to be visible in our lives, we see him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus is ultimately the only one who can save us from our sins, which is what we really need. Jesus is to be lifted up as a different kind of kingdom because we, as followers of Jesus, are members, are citizens of his kingdom. And which kingdom are we in? Sometimes we've got to ask that question. Where do our motivation, where does our heart lie? Where do we spend our thoughts and our energy? Whose kingdom are we in? Are we in the kingdom of a king who's different or are we in the kingdom of the world that is power and might and authority? Whose king, whose kingdom are you in? Because Jesus is to be lifted up. And one day, everyone will see that he is the king of kings, the true king. One day, every definition of, of the world's idea of kingdom will be changed. One day, everyone will see true kingship. And for now, us for now today is an opportunity to see it. Because someday everyone will see it. And if we haven't seen it beforehand, it will be too late. Now is the time. Today is the day to see Jesus as the king that he is. Philippians tells us that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friends, don't wait for that day. Today, let today be the day you announce, you share, you follow Jesus as the true king of kings the King of the world, the Lord of lords, the servant of servants. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful.
We are thankful for an opportunity to celebrate you coming, not as a political leader, not as a, a military might or a strategic analyst or a powerful teacher or any of those things. Lord, you came first and most of all as the Savior of the world. Lord, help us to see you and to see salvation through you, to experience firsthand a relationship with you where you are Lord and we are not. Lord, help us to trust you, to lift you in all that we do in our ways, our work, our relationships, that you would be lifted up, not ourselves, not our wisdom, not our might, not our resources, but you and you alone. Lord, help us to be the people you have called us to be. We thank you for that donkey. We thank you that you care about that donkey because yes, we are the donkey. Help us to be one that carries you humbly and peacefully. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.